This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is North, 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 South. North, South. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here. The latest episode of North and South we skipped last week. Lots of things have been going on. Dylan Hernandez from the Los Angeles Times is here with me as my co-host. Dylan, you ready to do big show here? Big jam-packed show? Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we were right. I was just I was just up there visiting you. I just saw you. My goodness, my Dylan. Lots of Dylan Hernandez in the in the Levi's uh, Stadium press box for that classic tilt 49ers versus Rams with uh, with uh, no quarterbacks and no Aaron Donald and all sorts of other things. But I, I think. It seems likely to me that we're going to see that again in a couple of weeks. I don't know how you feel about that. Rams versus uh, Detroit coming up this weekend. If the Rams win, it's very likely that they'll play the 49ers next. Uh, do you like the Rams over the, over the Lions right now? Uh, I think they have a chance. You know, um, I think I'm a little bit, you know, the, the only hesitation is I could see a scenario where Stafford just gets absolutely beat up. You know, I think in the middle of the season – they were doing a really nice job of protecting him. You know, they kind of got a run game going. But, you know, I think it's a little bit different now, too, when, you know, you could see now when the opponents know that the run could come, they have trouble running in those types of situations. You know, uh, this is not a team, I think, that wants to be playing ahead very much. You know, you want Stafford kind of dropping back and just throwing it as much as he can. Uh, but that also kind of opens them up to getting hit a lot, you know, which we've seen again in recent weeks. We saw it at the beginning of the season. And we've kind of seen it in recent weeks again. So, you know, given how strong, right, the Lions pass rushes, uh, some concern there, I think, in terms of, you know, can they give Stafford enough time to kind of make the plays that he has to make? Uh, but I do like the, you know, the the McVay-Goff uh, part of it. Obviously, they, you know, they they got rid of him for a reason, right? There's certain, and as much of a stand-up guy as he was here, and, you know, I think all of us who covered him, right, thought that he had kind of the right disposition to kind of deal with the ups and downs of everything. Uh, you know, they they know that there's certain throws that he can't make. And, you know, my guess is that they're going to try to force him into those types of areas. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, given kind of this disparity in seeding and stuff and how their seasons have gone in a way, uh, yeah, I do kind of like their chances. I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, we'll be up there, uh, you know, in San Francisco in another week. I just, I'm going to look at it from a very NFL, like alpha kind of way. 
who's more likely to kind of turtle in the moment? Stafford going back to Detroit, in a, you know, obviously where he's been was for many years, didn't win playoff games, but he was, uh, you know, kind of carried the franchise for a lot of years. Or Jared Goff at home going up against Sean McVay and the Rams. I, I just think the more likely kind of a flinch is Jared Goff and the Lions. Have not played this first playoff game in this era. Very talented team, but man, I don't think they're great defensively. And I think the Rams are, I mean, not that, you know, impossible to tell from what I saw last weekend for either, for either the 49ers or the Rams, but I, I think the Rams could, could score some points and get things pretty tight over there. And then they'll be like, okay, Jared, you've got to get the touchdown here. You've got to. And I don't like the Lions in that situation. I, I kind of think the 49ers think they're going to end up playing the Rams. Uh, I think the 49ers think they're going to end up playing, uh, you know, the, the Rams are beating the Lions. I just feel like it's – maybe it's all wrong. Maybe – and the Lions are very talented. Rams – but I think the Rams' defense is pretty good right now, Dylan. Would you say that? Like, the, the Rams' defense has been an under – kind of sold part of this kind of rise back up to relevancy. Yeah, I mean, anytime, right, you have a player like an Aaron Donald who's going to take two, three defenders on on a given play, obviously that's opened stuff up for, you know, Kobe Turner, uh, who's obviously had a big year. It could be the defensive rookie of the year. You know, they've had a lot of young guys kind of step up. Uh, you know, if, I think – I do think that kind of the defensive backfield, if you look at like there being kind of an area of concern on the defense, that's probably it. You know, again, they have, I think, about $80 million in dead money right now. Um, you know, so next year, you know, again, when you're, when you're kind of like projecting this ahead in terms of where they could upgrade, I'm guessing that it's going to be in that part of the field. Uh, but I think you're right. You know, I think Aaron Donald is still, you know, he might not be quite the Aaron Donald of, you know, three, four years ago, but man, he's still pretty good, you know. And again, anytime you have one guy taking, that much attention, uh, you know, uh, from an offense, I think it, it opens up stuff for, for other guys. And um, yeah, so, you know, I, and going back to your point about the golf, you know, McVeigh and Stafford thing, you know, I think Stafford's almost kind of playing with house money in a way. Right. I mean, he's beloved. And, you know, and I remember, you know, the year that the Rams won the Super Bowl, you know, I was calling around sports bars in Detroit and stuff and talking to drunken patrons there and, Everybody loves Matthew Stafford, right? Nobody begrudged him for leave, you know, leaving the way he did. I think the impression that I got was that people were very happy for him. Uh, you know, he's, I think he was very involved in the community over there. So this is, he's, you know, he's going to go there. He's going to get a great ovation. There's really nothing to kind of prove there, right? It's kind of, again, he's playing with house money. He, you know, he left, he won his Super Bowl. There's nothing here that's going to change. I think Detroit's perception of Matthew Stafford or even every anyone's perception of Matthew Stafford. Uh, Goff has everything to play here for, right? I mean, because, you know, again, with McVeigh and Goff, I really feel that for both guys, actually, that, you know, that, that split and kind of what's happened afterwards has really kind of defined both guys, you know? And I think at the time it was really, you know, with, with McVeigh, um, you know, with just the way he, right, when he benched, Goff. It was kind of this thing of like, hey, I'm not at fault here. It's because I have a quarterback who can't make these throws. And it was a really kind of ugly split. And I think McVeigh, you know, when he talks about it now, admits he probably didn't handle it the best. Um, but I think that, yeah, so Goff is going to have like a lot riding on this, you know. And so kind of to your point in terms of, you know, I, I kind of like a loose and free Matthew Stafford more than I do a Jared Goff with a ton of pressure, you know, career defining pressure on top of them. I'll tell you, if you ask the 49ers who they'd rather play and you injected some truth serum, uh, I think they'd say they'd rather play Detroit. You know, younger team, first experience in the playoffs, you'd get them out of that dome. Uh, I think in Jared Goff, 49ers have beat, you know, they just drum Jared Goff. They have 
recently. Stafford beat him in a big game. Uh, and Stafford is like I, Shanahan was pretty clear about a little about this today. He's like, you, if you don't, if you're talking about teams you don't want to face, it's the one with a great quarterback. And Stafford is sort of a great. Well, I don't know. If, I don't. I guess I wouldn't call him a great quarterback, but he is a Super Bowl winning quarterback uh, and can make throws. And you put that with McVay system and some talent on defense. I, I think the 49ers are expecting the Rams, but they would probably like be happy as hell if the Lions pick them off. And the 49ers do not see them. I think the Rams are the toughest team in the, in the NFC for the 49ers right now. Uh, I don't think they're overpowering. Obviously, I don't think like this is a Super Bowl team. There's a lot of criteria they do not meet in that. But just that quarterback and their receivers, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, you know, we know where the talent is. I think that's the team the 49ers are like, that's a team that could match up pretty well with 49ers. And I just don't see the other one. I mean, the, the Cowboys would be the other one. But 49ers have beat the Cowboys the last two years in the playoffs, so I'm not sure there. I just think it's the Rams 49ers are kind of headed to something in, in two weeks. I, that's, I'm calling it right now. Do you think that there's still a Shanahan-McVay dynamic at all? Oh, God. You know, oh, obviously God. For, <laughs> we right? saw, because we saw well, for years, saw it was it. just such like a – from the Rams' standpoint, right, it was kind of this thing that even in the building people didn't really want to talk about, you know, Um Right. And uh, even just this past Sunday, as, as meaningless as that game was in a way, you know, they were kind of like, well, we, you know, we won here. We don't have to hear about this for a while. Nine um, straight. Right so there was, there was, yeah. That, there was, yeah. yeah, there was some of that there, you know? So like, uh, I'm just kind of oh, wondering. There. If you it's, think it's the, no question. And that's part of like, it's not just Sean. It's a lot of Sean McFaylsey. It's Raheem Morris. That's, that's one of Kyle's closest friends, not on his own staff. Um, like there's their frenemies. Like they, Talk traps to each other. Kyle was pissed after losing that game. Uh, he absolutely he volunteered that they were trying to stop Puka Nakua from breaking the rookie records. Like they were absolutely double covering him <laughs> to make him play in the third quarter. And he like, said, "Yeah, I wanted him to feel the same stress we were feeling because like we had you know we had to play some guys and we didn't want him to get hurt." What was he saying? Like maybe Puka Nakua they play him in the third quarter and gets hurt. Like it's it's hard to to kind of frame this for real world stuff, but this is how coaches think. Like we got to play these guys. Fuck you. I'm going to make you have to play your guy. If you wanted to break a record, it's friendly, but it's also super competitive. Uh, Hey, McVay's got a super bowl. Uh, Kyle Shanahan does not at the moment. I just think it's that kind of edginess and, and Shanahan and coaches feel it with in various levels with everybody. He really feels it with Sean McVay. And, you know, he was the number one guy when they were all together in Washington, right? His dad was a head coach, but he was the offensive coordinator. He gathered all these guys, and McVay is kind of, you know, superseded him at least to the Super Bowl. I think all that stuff is there. We'll feel it all again. It was there in the Puka Nakua. It was there just kind of the way that game unfolded. There's something there. Uh, I think Kyle really liked to have that regular season winning streak, especially because he lost the NFC Championship game a couple years ago. But it's there. Uh, they're two really good coaches. Two, you know, run the same system, deal with the same groups of other coaches, hiring, you know, various people who they both know, and they're in the same division. So they see each other twice a year, and they've seen each other in the playoffs. May, might see each other again. It's fun. It's good for us to talk about the Shanahan coaching tree. Uh, it's all very interesting. Again, I'm put Raheem Morris right in there because he's actually playing against Raheem Morris, right? The DC. Uh, I think Raheem really should be a head coach somewhere else uh, right, yeah. very soon. But for now, Shanahan's going against two of his closest friends if they end up playing. 
I want to touch on the uh, other football team in Los Angeles, and obviously mm-hmm. you know Harbaugh well. Um, if that winds up kind of becoming, you know, coming to fruition here, how do you see that kind of playing out? What do you like about, or I assume you like it? He <laughs> um, would be a good hire. Now he'd have to get the right executive in there with him. I'm sure if 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 the Spanoses are doing this right, uh, you know. They have not done something like this. They don't hire high-profile coaches. It's going to be expensive. I think they should do it. This is why you're in LA. You, you're tapping into more money. Uh, you've got the quarterback. This is you're, you're you're never going to have a quarterback like this in this you know, era. Uh, don't mess around with it. Get Jim Harbaugh. Bring in you know Tom Gamble. I think is has been an assistant GM with Fort Niners and joined Jim and. Ann Arbor, and then actually worked for Prem Balky in Jacksonville, which is the only person in life who could have worked for either one of those guys, uh, or and worked for them both separately. Then Tom went back to Ann Arbor, and he's just a key liaison. Like things were calm with the 49ers, even between Balky and, and Harbaugh when Tom was around, because he could kind of work with both. So Jim needs a guy like that. I think he'll bring Tom with him. Maybe there'll be other executives. And the Spanos better leave him alone. Like, you know, if they start meddling, then you might have a, a, a meltdown. But if you leave Jim Harbaugh alone, he's going to get things organized. The locker room's going to be, you know, kind of unified. Uh, they're not going to be buddy-buddy with them, but they're going to win. They're going to understand the path towards winning, the physicalness. And I think you and I would agree the Chargers have been not a very physical team. They've been pretty soft, frankly. For all that talent they've got, you can always gain seven yards on the ground against them, right? Always. There's right. Just, right. There's, there's not a lot of pushback there. Uh, they get close and they lose at the end. I think Harbaugh probably bring his defensive coordinator with him um, from from uh, Michigan. He did that when he was at Stanford. He had Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator at Stanford. Think about that. Defensive coordinator at Stanford was Vic Fangio. Uh, yeah. Brought Fangio to the 49ers. Like he, he's really good at kind of collecting staffers who really make sense. Uh, and, you know, he'd probably he'd have to hire offensive coordinator. I don't, you know, Greg Roman, you know, is available. I don't know if it would be Greg, but somebody like that. Be a, he, he, for all his huge personality and burning bridges and, you know, he, he's never best friends with these assistants. Um, he hires good ones and they want to go to him because he lets, he leaves them alone. You trust them. He leaves them alone. They do their stuff. You know, Vic Fangio would have gone with them, I think, to the Vikings if he had got that job a couple of years ago. Fangio's not attainable now because he's the highest paid assistant in football with the Miami Dolphins going to playoffs. But, like, Vic doesn't screw around with people meddling with him. You, Vic runs the defense. Lord Fangio was his nickname. Uh, and certainly that was his nickname with Harbaugh. And Harbaugh didn't mind that at all. So he'll bring some – you know, you're going to have to pay some assistance. That's one of the things that pissed off Jed York about him with the 49ers is he had the highest paid coaching staff in football. Uh, and Jed didn't understand, like, if I'm going to pay him all this money, why am I paying all, you know, assistant, assistant coaches uh, at, at every position? If you're the Spanoses, you're buying into all that. If you've got a lot, $10 million for the assistant coaching staff and you're paying Jim $15 million a year and his, his GM six, so what? That's the price you pay. You're making a lot of money. Uh, and I just think we'll see if the Spanos can make that leap. Uh, sometimes you learn le- your lesson through screwing up a lot. And I think they've screwed up a ton. 
and you just turn it over to him. And it's not going to be the brand. You know, you know what my criticism of Brandon Staley is just like he's trying to please everybody. He's trying to, you know, win over the, you know, Twitter. He's trying to get the analytics community to write positive things about him. That is not Jim Harbaugh. You are not Dylan Hernandez. I hate to tell you this. You're not getting Jim Harbaugh for 10 minutes after practice every time you show up. That is not <laughs> happening. Uh, you're not palling around with him and, and you know, joking about what – that is not – he's not Mr. Small Talk. He is, I'm going to talk to you, and then I'm going to the, go inside of my office, and you're leaving me alone. Uh, I might get some extra time with him, but uh, I don't think you are. Um, this is just well, I, who I, he what, is. One thing I'm curious about is, you know, I think a lot of times when we see franchises turn around, right, new coach comes in, there's kind of a different air. I just remember when, obviously, when they went, you know, say the Rams went from Fisher to McVay, uh, you know, McVay's running around everywhere, right? There's just kind of this more youthful type of energy in the air. Uh, what is kind of, when you kind of go back to the early days of the 49ers when, when Harbaugh was there, how did kind of the air of the, you know, training camp, so to speak, change? Yeah, I mean, that was a weird one because that was a uh, strike season or, you know, lockout season. So everything kind of got thrown together at mm -hmm. once. Uh, and the Fortnite's were like holding, like, you know, voluntary workouts run by Alex Smith at San Jose State for weeks. And, you know, the coaching staff couldn't have part of it. He, he got the playbook to Alex like right before the lockout happened so they could run some of his stuff. I think what you really get, though, is like it's – accountability like you know you screw up you're going to hear about it you aren't physical enough you're not going to play for him it's very clear again he's not palling around with these guys he did not have close friends even on the staff or in the locker room frank gore maybe you know you can understand where you know frank gore would love that kind of stuff it's meat and potatoes it's like we are men playing a physical and violent game and we're going to approach it like that and it's going to be, there's not going to be joking. I mean, you know, some joking around, of course, there's always going to be some, but not like screwing around, not, you know, it's, 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 I wouldn't say business-like, but it's serious. It is like, you, you let your personality shine, but do it in a, in a way that shows your commitment to what's happening on the field. It's very, very serious. And Harbaugh is very serious. He can be goofy, but he's not, he actually doesn't mean to be funny. He's just being himself. Um, I, I think there will be a to go from Brandon Staley, who again I might be overreading this, but I always see like he was always looking at everybody else. How is this playing? How are people reacting? Am I being praised? Am I being ripped? If I'm being ripped, how do I stop being ripped? That that stuff, and I think that you know translates to the players. The players start feeling like that. Is it a political thing? Harbaugh is not that. He's just not the, into the. You saw that like. You know, we can go over the sign stealing stuff, but a great, and I didn't write this because I'll be just accused of being a Harbaugh guy, but a lot of the reaction was because writers don't get to be clubby with him. They don't get to schmooze. So they got mad at him and they were going to take it out on him. I get it. Like he broke rules. These are things that happen. You, if you don't curry the favor of the, you know, the elite kind of uh, people in this world, you're going to get hit. That's the, the price you pay. Harbaugh probably isn't denying that, but it ain't that thing where I just know that the guys on ESPN are going to defend me if this happens because I've been buddies with them for the years. That is not Jim Harbaugh. Uh, it's head down, do the job, be tough, and go on to the next thing. And I think the Chargers for sure could use that. Now, he took over for Mike Singletary with the 49ers, so Singletary had some of that. Singletary was just bizarre. 
in, in a way that you know people might think Harbaugh's bizarre. He ain't as bizarre as as Mike Singletary. So I think it will be ordered. It will be like ambitious, and it will be like this is it. The only thing you ought to be thinking about is winning this goddamn football game, and then winning the next one, and winning the next one. And you do that by toughness. You do that by you know physicality aggressiveness and i think that's something the chargers have missed with the talent they've got i would think it's something that could could really you know work pretty quickly i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, I think they got the right quarterback for that, too, just kind of what you're describing, right? I think whatever, you know, Herbert has or hasn't done, uh, you know, uh, I do think that the toughness part is kind of the one thing that's really underrated about him. This guy's been taking, you know, especially early on. I mean, he was just taking bad hits in, you know, first couple of seasons. Uh, It's kind of one of those guys, you know, his arm could be in a sling and you ask him something about his arm. He's like, what are you talking about? You know, Um, so... I think that that's going to probably be a really good fit. Well, that's interesting because, he, um, you know, Alex Smith was sort of on his way out with the 49ers. And then Harbaugh partly takes a job because he likes Alex Smith. And he thought and, – and Alex Smith was considered soft in his early years with the 49ers. And, and this is five years. You know, this is five years of struggles with Alex Smith. And Mike Nolan turned on him and Singletary turned on him. And Harbaugh's like, what are you – he's a free agent. Harbaugh's like, well, this is the guy. This is my guy. Now, he also drafted Kaepernick that year. But and I would say Justin, you know, I'd say Herbert is an elevated version of Alex Smith, right? I mean, way elevated a version of Alex Smith that Jim Harbaugh inherited. And if you're talking toughness, you're talking about a guy who has not been recognized for that. Harbaugh loves that stuff. He lives for this is why the Chargers would be, I think, his number one option. Uh, I mean, you, no, no shock that you got Herbert there, but it would really seem to fit the kind of the Harbaugh mentality. Now, uh, both of our basketball teams here. Well, I guess I mean there's there's a second team in Los. You got Angeles, another so, team you know. there that's winning. Yeah, a winning we, basketball that's team. Winning, but we never yeah. talk about. <laughs> but uh, right, the Lakers, uh, Warriors, both are kind of on that uh, the periphery of the play-in tournament now. Uh, how how do you think things are looking uh, with the Warriors right now? Well, I just had the Draymond Green's first presser since he got suspended. Uh, was interesting yesterday. Of course, Draymond is you know very very. Yeah. talkative, very interesting, at times introspective, at times, you know, uh, apologetic, at times non-apologetic. And I don't, I, at this point, and I like Draymond, but it does the words are not very important. It's what happens on the floor and they do need them. I think what people don't sometimes get about the way the Warriors operate, it's very practical. What's the best thing to win games? And it has been the commitment 
to Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. But it doesn't always have to be that. And once it stops that, they won't go away from Steph. But if Draymond hits the floor and he's not that good and it's not worth his headache, I think they might look to move on from him. I think they've been thinking about that. But if it play, he plays well and this team starts winning, uh, then it will they'll keep them. This is, these are all very practical decisions they make. They've made over the years, maybe to their detriment in excusing him from some things that they shouldn't have excused him. Maybe they've accommodated him too much, but also it was because they felt it was just the best basketball move. And we'll see, I'll throw this one out to you. I mean, they're going to, there's got to make some trades, at least one going into the trade deadline, which is coming up very quickly here. Uh, and I don't know, if they're going to have the full information from Draymond at that point, because it'll be like six games by the time he comes back or whatever, how many games they've got left before the trade deadline. I think there's a chance that Draymond Green is traded to the Lakers because we know the relationship with LeBron James. Lakers might get into a situation where we just need something to get us better. Now, they don't need the defense, right? They're a pretty good defensive team. They're a bad offensive team, and Draymond doesn't really help that. But he changed the dynamics. I just you're just looking for teams. If Draymond is moved, maybe it's not this trade deadline. Maybe it's next summer. I think he'd want to go to Lakers, and I think LeBron James would want him. I don't know what that fit would be, but man, that's 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 kind of the quiet little whisper. Like if they move him, where would he go? I think the Lakers would be his number one choice. Well, his playmate, you're right. I mean, he's a good passer of the ball, and I think that that yes. can help, right? Now, they do need shooting right now, right? And so yeah. I don't think it's going to be just a, hey, we're right. We get, you're right. Lakers get Draymond Green, and that's going to kind of be it. It's going to have to happen in like a larger context of thing. Obviously, I think everybody here is counting down the days until Delangelo Russell gets traded, yeah. you know, and right. So, where's aren't taking him? Where's aren't taking him back? But yeah, you can have to send him <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah. So, presumably, they'll get some shooters there, right? And then in that type of context, I could I could possibly see that. You know, I think that again, they're just kind of a they're not a very good shooting team right now. They don't, you know, with Vincent down, uh, you know, they don't have like many playmakers really. Um, you know, and so they're kind of struggling right now, you know, and they really need LeBron to kind of be Superman, frankly, to win. Um, you know, as I predicted earlier in the season, you know, he's he's shown his age gradually and as he's worn down. Uh, I mean, I think that that's a lot of what we're seeing right now. It's just kind of he's right. The, the motors just kind of slowed down at this point in the season. Um, you know, I mean, that said, I think for the Lakers, you know, just I think the way what they got away with doing last year, you know, where basically they were kind of one team up until the trade deadline. You know, they kind of pulled some rabbits out of their hat. All of a sudden they have a new team. Uh, I think they feel kind of comfortable with that in a way, because, again, you know, I think they, they feel if they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis healthy kind of at the end and they put the right pieces around them, it uh, doesn't have to all be perfect at that time, but they can win some games like that. Uh, I guess what I'm curious about with like the Warriors, you know, you kind of mentioned that they might not have too much information, but like um, how much, right, given like how important those, right, that team, right, particularly the big three guys, including, you know, Draymond and Clay, um, how, I mean, does that stop them from doing anything, do you think? Just in that, you you extend them another, you know, do you let them play out this season just because you don't want to break this thing up earlier than maybe that you have to? I think there's some of that, and I think it's staff related. It's all staff related at this point. Um, and if it's right for staff, you can envision one more run, uh, a shot at maybe you get the A seed and you try to pluck off, a, you know, somebody a high seed. Uh, I think 
they keep it. And also because, frankly, Draymond and Clay and I'll throw Wiggins in there aren't going to get you much in a trade. You know, that, that, that's been part of decision-making too. You keep it because you're not getting the duplication of Clay from three, you know, five years ago. So maybe you just hold on to him and hope he catches fire at some point and then decide what to do with his contract at the end of the season. Um, they do have the Chris Paul expiring and he's not likely to be healthy before the trade deadline. There's another thing they can move. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, there is some of that. I think Steph has a big say in that. I think he made, you know, he was very heavily leaning towards bring Draymond back with the contract this summer. That doesn't mean he's always going to be like that. Um, they might not have a better way around. I mean, I've kind of thrown out, try to figure out a way to get a center, like an actual center, which they really haven't had in years, change the way they play and maybe give Steph a kind of new energy. Don't know if that's available. Pascal Siakam. If they could get Siakam and they knew they could resign him, I think anybody's on the table except for Steph. Anybody. Break up the time. Whatever. It's on the table. Uh, I, I don't think they're, they're deluding themselves that what they've got as it stands is championship worthy. They can go get a fifth championship with this group. I think they've seen enough of that. I think, you know, the Wiggins decline has just gone on too long. Uh, the Clay thing, you know, he's about what he is. It's just uh, uh, can be valuable, but he's not going to be a leader of, you know, one of your two or three best players championship team. Draymond, you know, he's one swing away from being suspended for the rest of his career, I think. Um, and, you know, Jonathan Kaminga is a young, interesting young player. Is he a guy you can, I, I don't know. There's all these, I don't know. So that's what I've said. Like they've got a bunch of guys other than Curry that all have a reason to play and all have a reason not to play. And that's hard to kind of find the mix of that. Uh, figure out who should close, figure out who's defending who. Um, I think the big move is on the table. They just have to find the right one. And I, I don't think they're going to give up a young player just for a rental. They'd have to know that, say, Siakam would resign the way that the Knicks knew that Ananubi would resign. Um, I don't know that they're going to know that about Siakam. And I don't know if they want to pay it. If, if, you know, he'd say, sure, you know, four years, 160, I'm in there. And I'll, do you do that? Um, they're facing all the decisions. I don't think they're locked into anything, though, to go back to your question. Like, they're not saying we've got to keep Steph, Draymond, and Clay. I think they're past that. I think they're what's the best basketball decision? Where can we, you know, find somebody new who would be better? And if we can't, let's get through this with dignity. You know, that's where the Draymond thing screws around. Like, let's show that we have honor through this and figure out as we go. I don't know that they're going to keep the three together in the next season. I don't know that they're going to do that. And I'd say probably likelihood is they're not. I just don't know what the shape of that is. Depends on how they're playing. Depends on what the market is. Depends on, you know, will Clay come back for less, a lot less at this point. I've been saying this for a while. It's kind of been irritating Clay. Like I hear in these national guys, oh, you know, when Clay gets that max offer from who, da, da, next, like, is somebody really going to make Clay a max offer? Have you watched him play for the last, for this season? Like there's no way. And if he gets it, then the Warriors got to say, thanks. You know, it's been great. Clay, goodbye. We're not paying that because he is not worth half of that. He just isn't. And Clay will listen to this and get mad at me, but he's not. Uh, he's a complimentary player at this point. Probably like if he's the fifth best player on your team, you got a championship level team. He can't be your second, third or fourth. One question I got is, um, you know, obviously there's the perception of Draymond Green from say out here. Uh, and I know, right, having worked up there during the Barry Bonds years, I understand how, you know, the Bay Area kind of views their hometown heroes a little bit differently. 
what's kind of the feel towards, you know, because I think like nationally, there's kind of this thing of like, okay, this thing has kind of played itself out in an end. I think people are kind of waiting for this thing to just kind of be over at some point. Uh, what's the feel over there? How do people feel about Draymond? I think, I mean, there is a great respect for what he's achieved, how important he's been to championships, uh, you know, what his level of play, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, uh, has meant to everybody, mostly to Steph Curry. But there's, I think, for a few years now, there's been this kind of two lines, you know, his value is going slightly down, his, you know, the, the, the troubles of dealing with him has kind of been going up. And when those lines intersect – and when it's more difficult to deal with him than it is worth the quality of play that he's delivering to you, it's going to happen pretty quickly. And uh, the Bay Area sports fan base is kind of there, you know, close to there. I'll put it that way. Uh, and I think management's close to there. You get suspended, you screw up a season like this, like he's done twice this season. And this comes a year after punching a teammate. And like six months after stomping on Sabonis' chest and getting suspended for a playoff game when you were down 2-0 in the series. Uh, these are all like just kind of out there. And I think they're, they're, they're viewed with perspective. It's not all one thing. It's not, oh, Draymond, we'll be loyal to you forever. That's no, not that. That's Steph. That's not Draymond. Remember, even in the middle of this, he got suspended for a pretty important NBA Finals game in a series that they were leading 3-1, and then they lost the series. Um, like there's been kind of acceptance of who he is while the Warriors were good. When the Warriors are not good, when they are struggling, when he is not playing great, although he's played fine this season in the rare game, in the games that he's played. But when he's not played well, it's more like, okay, is this worth it? And it's verging heavily towards it's not worth it. And they gave him the contract. That's something they're going to have to deal with. But um, I, th I think – it isn't the let's rally around Draymond and we shall defend him against all comers. That is not the feeling of the Bay Area uh, and hasn't really been for a couple of years. Speaking of teams kind of in a bind, uh, my guy Farhan Zaidi up there. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine he loves being in this position where does not. He's, he's under pressure to make some moves, right? Top guys out on the market are Boris guys. Uh, <laughs> this is probably not the position. He's already he signed one of them. <laughs> no, this is exactly what he didn't want to do, and he got himself in the position. And it's, it's on, I talked to him last week, and you know, I think he accepts it. Um, you know, he accepts the criticism. He doesn't love it, uh, but he'll deal with it. And I've kind of seen him a few, few times, and he hasn't loved it, but he comes talks to me. Um, I'm trying not to take cheap shots, and I think he does appreciate that part of it, but. Yeah, he's exactly where he doesn't want to be. You have to throw money at Scott Porus, and he's already over, you know, overpaid. I don't, I don't, I think the the money for Jung Hoo Lee is probably right. Uh, it's high, but if he's anything close to what they think he is, you know, twenty two million a year doesn't seem terrible. If he's a good young athletic center fielder who's going to hit three seventeen and get on base three ninety, we'll see. Um, maybe three ninety is too high. Three three eighty, three seventy, but. Um, yeah, so he's going to have to throw money at Matt Chapman probably more than he wants to or Marcus Stroman, not, not a Boris guy, but on that list of available free agents. Um, yeah, this is where he's at. He doesn't like it, but too bad. You Then you should have won the last two years, and you should have put yourself in a better position to sign the top, top guys. And, I, you know, I've got – I think 
They messed up. Now, nobody was slamming on the door that much saying you've got to resign Gosman after you won 107 games. I think some people were saying that, though. And you've got to sign Marcus Simeon to a $176 million contract after uh, 107 wins with Brandon Crawford playing really well in 2021. But they should have. That That's how you, you avoid this situation where you're desperate, where your fan base is on the verge of revolt, uh, where you're not getting people to Oracle Park when that is the lifeblood of this franchise. So he's in an uncomfortable situation, but he he got Bob Melvin, uh, which was a real solid compromise step, and then he's going to have to sign some people. Like, you know, if he doesn't end up with Chapman at least and one other guy, like say Chapman and Strowman, again, this is not a roster that at the end of that would you'd think would take down the Dodgers, but you wouldn't have thought the Dodgers would get taken down by the Padres two years ago, right? In the play, like, you never know in a short series. Just got to be the third or fourth best team in the regular season and then see what happens. Would they have a better shot of that if they signed Chapman and Stroman, let's say? Yes. Um, I didn't love Imanaga, even though I think he's got pretty good stuff. You've got me on this, uh, Dylan. Like If he's throwing 94 in the Japan leagues every six day. Is he going to throw 91 in the majors? I think that's very possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, because there are not many, you know, even just when you look at the, the guys that have come here from Japan that have done better, right. There, these are, these are like bigger guys, right. It's the Darvishes, you know, these Tanaka was a pretty big guy. Um, You know, Hiroki Kuroda was a pretty big guy, you know? And so I really do think that the size thing kind of matters, you know, and, you know, as it relates to the Dodgers, uh, you know, again, the, the Yamamoto thing, I, I really kind of wonder here, you know, and as much as, you know, I know there's been all this talk about, oh, it's unfair. The Dodgers have gone out and spent all this money, uh, right? Baseball is not one of those sports where just because you throw money at something, you know, if you if you can't pitch, it's not going to matter almost. And, you know, to me, at the top of the rotation, they have three huge, huge question marks in Yamamoto, Glasnow, and Bueller, you know, and we... Every one of those, I mean, look, every one of those could come up, you know, uh, come up good for them. And in which case, look, they're going to be World Series favorites. Uh, but there's a scenario where all three of those don't go the way they hoped. And they're going to actually be in a very, very similar situation to where they were last year, where, you know, I mean, the, the major upgrade that they've made so far has been at DH, right? And they already had a pretty good DH last year in J.D. Martinez. And you're just basically upgrading to like Otani. Yes, that does make you better but it doesn't address kind of that pitching problem, you know? So um, I still think, yeah, that's the thing, right? And I think you're right. You know, you just need to kind of give yourself a chance just to kind of be there because as much money as the Dodgers have spent, I do not view this as a, you know, uh, you know, there's certain years where you kind of look at a team and you're just thinking, you know, and I obviously, <laughs> ironically, it never, these things never work out anyway. Right. I remember that Phillies, yep. remember there was a Phillies team a long oh, time yeah. ago with uh, yeah. Cliff Lee and Halliday and right, they had the four aces and you're thinking the, okay, Giants, the, the Giants beat them. Yeah. yeah the Giants beat the world them. series for sure. Right. I was, yeah, I was actually there, you know, and uh, things like that happen. Right. So Roy, you, know, Alls, what, you say Oswald, right. They had, Alswalt, I mean, that was, Oswalt was three and who's the other guy? Oh, there was a fourth guy. Um, Maybe it was Joe. Yeah. Boy. It wasn't a great one, but yeah, they, <laughs> it they, they, yeah. Um, yeah, it might be, but it yeah, might be, you know, it might be. Yeah, but that's the thing is, you know, you give yourself a chance to to get into these things, especially like, you know, these series aren't very long. Uh, you can make things happen, you know, so. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it's interesting, yeah. right, because, you know, Andrew Friedman said before once, you know, if you're rational with every free agent, you're going to finish third in the bidding every time, you know. Now, the problem is, is if you stay rational, 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 then you need to go 
the, the level of irrationality that you have to get to to actually get a guy right increases i think with every guy that you do pass on you know and fortunately for the dodgers i mean they just got otani who's just basically printing money for them right yep. and they were kind of able to you know they've kind of neglected their pitching i feel for for quite a while both in you know how they're developing them right now you know down in a ball these guys don't throw more than like three innings uh just you know throw it as hard as you can right so you're not getting the kind of prototypical ace they haven't gone after that guy in the market really and he kind of put them in this position where they had to kind of spend crazy money to to do it uh and again fortunately otani kind of took care of the, that financial side of that for them. And so they've gone out and kind of taken these, you know, huge gambles now that they probably never would have even done last year. Uh, but I kind of view the Giants being a little bit kind of in that position now too, where, right, they're going to have to, because now it's, you're not getting guys. And now you're going to have to, you know, make that kind of financial commitment to ensure that you get the guy. And, you know, that doesn't work out now. It's going to set you back a bit. Uh, so, yeah, I can't, it, just kind of knowing, you know, Zaidi. Uh, from his time here in LA, I can't imagine that this is like, a, you know, uh, position that he wants to be in. It's a rough time. Yeah, it's a rough time for him. Yeah, it's a rough time. You know, but I'll say they, they kind of got themselves into it by kind of messing around last year. Maybe if they, if Correa had passed that physical, it would feel different. I think it would, um, at least a little different. But that did not happen. You don't get credit for the deals that did not happen. Uh, but you know, if you, if they go into a playoff series, if Robbie Ray is healthy, if Alex Cobb is healthy, if they and they go in a playoff series with Logan Webb, Robbie Ray, you know, Alex Cobb, and Marcus Stroman, I don't think the Dodgers would love that. I'm not wouldn't pick the Giants probably to win it, but then you've got Matt Chapman at third, Jung Hoo Lee is center. I mean, like again, this is not the Dodgers. This is not Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and everything that we know and. Yeah, Shohei Otani. That's right. I keep forgetting that guy is going to be in the middle of the lineup, but um, I could see it. If there's a plausibility there. That's how that's how they sell it to themselves. But they still better get these guys, uh, and you can't not win. But I, I looked at him and I thought, like, you know, listen, it would have been splashy. I'm sure they want were in on him. But I look at him going, there's a guy who could end up like Barry Zito at age 31. Like that's yeah. and he's 30 now, right? I think he's not young, uh, different than Yamamoto. And he's throwing, you know, nine, 91 and 85, you know, mile per hour changeups. And that might not be great. You know, uh, that, that's, I understand why you back off on that one, but you, then you better get somebody else. You better get one more starter and at least one position player. And then I think you can honestly say, we got a shot at this. We got a shot at big, better than Diamondbacks, right? And the Diamondbacks made it to the World Series. Uh, I still don't quite know how that worked, but. That's how these short series go and sell yourself on that. And, and maybe some, you know, maybe Marco Luciano develops and you've got, Oh, I didn't even put Kyle Harrison in that rotation, Dylan. So like, like these are, these are how you sell it. And you, you've got to be irrational. I, I threw that irrational quote at, at him and he did not love that. <laughs> I bet your Friedman doesn't love it at this point, but uh, it's, he said, I was there when he said it, da, 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 da. Uh, but this is the business you're in. You got to do some things that are just going to stir the marketplace up. Uh, they did one middling thing with Jung Hu Lee. Let's see what else they can do. They still got to do it, but it has been a slow market. Um, you're just not beating the Dodgers, but guess what? Who, who's, who's beating the Dodgers in this off season? Who's come close? Nobody, nobody. So you can't just say, okay, we're done. Dodgers like then, then the Mets and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays and the freaking Rangers have to say, Oh, forget about it. 
no, you can't. You got to build the best team you can, and then maybe somebody else picks them off in a short series, or maybe you pick them off in a short series. We got breaking there news. Go. There, there, we got breaking go. news. Go go. Ka Kawhi Leonard has been signed to an extension. The Clippers just announced. Oh my goodness! Wow, yeah. Clippers making so, things happen, making things happen. Yeah, uh, he could have opted think, out after this year. You know. Yep. Uh, so you think Paul George this year? It's their it's their last year at uh, uh, Crypto.com Arena. You know, yep. they're going to be moving into their new thing. You know, it was, uh, it's been very much a feel around the Clippers, kind of like, uh, right, seniors in high school. Everybody's kind of ready to move on. And so this guarantees at least that uh, Kawhi will be there when the new arena opens. And obviously he's kind of the, he's the guy, right? I mean, you know, he yeah, missed a few Paul games. Paul George would follow. Yeah. Yeah. Paul George would. Yeah. And Kawhi's playing great, by the way. He's playing absolutely great. Paul George yeah, can't be a free agent yeah. also. James Harden will be a free agent. I, I don't know about Harden, but I imagine you probably resign all three and then go into next season. We'll see what happens this season and then go into next season with those guys on the roster. Yep. Yeah. Very good. We'll end it with that. Dylan Hernandez checking his uh, checking his uh, social media, making sure we get all the latest news on this very <laughs> podcast. All the Clippers stuff. Everyone's tuning in for the Clippers. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. they can't accuse us of ignoring them now we, we, there we you go them. there you go, there go. Uh, they're big time we finished we're the kicker the kicker was the Clippers because everybody was waiting on with bated breath for that one we could do MLS right, next week <laughs> Emma Lloyd, absolutely I got to complain about soccer on something I don't talk about on so when did I ever talk about soccer when did I ever advertise that that would be your soccer resource uh, that didn't quite happen and Dylan Hernandez is going to have lunch with an old friend of mine, boxing uh, publicist Bill Kaplan. So let's just shout him out on the show. Bill Kaplan, I'm saying hello. Have a good lunch, Dylan.